Welcome to Live in the Messiah's Love. I'm your host, Kimisha Lucier, and I'm so glad to be back another day spending time with you in the Word of God and fellowshipping in the presence of our Lord. Welcome. I hope your day is blessed and it is going well. My love is here with us. And before we get into this episode, let's just open up in prayer. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We exalt your name. We magnify your name, Jesus, and we magnify your place in the earth, but in particular in our lives. You are my God, and I love you, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing, all that you've done, and just your unending and unyielding faithfulness. You never stop being who you are. You never stop fulfilling your promises. You never stop keeping your word and you're faithful even when we're not. Lord, we thank you for safekeeping for the listeners. We thank you, Lord, for your protection in their lives. We thank you, Lord, for guiding them, directing them, and correcting them, Lord, and bringing them to the place you have for them to be. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that's on their kneading bowl and their basket, that their pantries are full, Lord Jesus Christ, and that you give them creative ways to manage their resources that you've given them, but you also supply them with more than enough. I thank you, Lord, that you have provision for them to abound to every good work and that they're able to complete the ministry, the call, and the task that you've laid before them, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your supernatural grace and help and ministering spirits. We release you to help them and minister on their behalf as they go towards the things that God has for them. We bind the hand of the adversary right now in the almighty name of Jesus, and we cast him out. We render any traps, any plans, any ambushes, any sabotages that he has um, laid aside for these people that belong to you. We cancel that wicked assignment right now in your almighty name, Lord Jesus, and we command it to fall dead to the ground and we render it harmless. It will become nothing in the almighty name of Jesus. So we thank you, Lord. We receive these things and we pray in your almighty name, Lord. Amen. 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 So, okay. And this episode, we are continuing to talk about the target of warfare. So we're still on that. And we're going to um, complete something that I mentioned in the last episode about separating people from the adversary. (laughs) Okay. And we're going to talk about some examples there. My love, did you have anything you wanted to say before we get started? I did, yes. So um, being able to distinguish... The combatants from non-combatants is mm-hmm. vital. We're just talking normal, natural, human, you know, daily interaction here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because if uh, the service member, right, mm-hmm. the warrior cannot distinguish, you're not effective, you're not efficient, you're actually a liability on, mm-hmm. on the battlefield, but also it could end you in hot water. That's and right. You could be legally prosecuted as a result. Mm -hmm. So I bring that up because understanding the difference between military and other militaries, right? Mm -hmm. Even enemy forces and distinguishing between them, an active combatant and a civilian Mm -hmm. matters. It matters that much more so as it pertains to spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. So in regular the military combat. Mm-hmm. There are certain criteria that distinguishes that w- that an individual must meet to be considered a combatant, mm-hmm. an active participant in the opposition force. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we actually have the the exact same thing here listed in scripture. But maybe it's a little bit different than what 
most might that, think. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, I will say this, and, and this is the why I'm, I'm bringing this up mm-hmm. before actually we just spell it out for, for all of us, <laughs> okay. right? Okay. <clears throat> is because oftentimes we can get an incorrect view of the combatant. Mm-hmm. And there's been a tendency amongst people, right? Mm-hmm. Those that are, that are Christians or believers or the body of Christ to view other people as the enemy, mm-hmm. as the opposing force. Mm-hmm. When we truly need to just understand they are being used mm-hmm. by the adversary to accomplish the adversary's trap mm-hmm. and whatever traps and schemes and mm-hmm. and strategies the enemy attempts to employ. Mm-hmm. So it's better to view them as being captured, mm-hmm. right? Than, right. As, than as a combatant. Right. In Ephesians 6, it tells us very right. plainly who the enemy is, right? And we've, we've gone over this, but I just want to help spell this out for all of us. Just make it mm-hmm. so simple for us to understand. That's in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 12. Actually, just verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Amen. All right. So the only active combatants here in spiritual warfare... All right, this is, this is the, the stated plainly part. The only active combatants in spiritual warfare are the devil mm-hmm. and those that went with him. And that means spiritual wicked, wicked spirits, like the fallen angels. That's what exactly. we're talking about. Demons, mm-hmm. powers, principalities, right? That we just read. Those are the combatants. Everyone else is, a, is we must treat as a civilian. Every human. Every human. So let's distinguish everyone else. We're talking about humans. Absolutely. People people and then the spirit the wicked spirits and we can categorize them just lump them all together Mm -hmm. call them the adversary wicked spirits the devil that's all one group the kingdom of darkness that's our adversary exactly every other every human being is a civilian we must treat as a civilian which means protect them care for them Mm -hmm. right uh get food, clothing, shelter, all mm-hmm, that, or mm-hmm. um, as you, you've heard <laughs> for for decades now, win the hearts and minds, right? That's who we are trying to to reach. Mm-hmm. They are not the combat. They're not the people we're fighting against. And I know uh, some may struggle with that because, again, part of it is just it's human nature, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we were talking prior to to, to the start of this about mm-hmm. how Sometimes we just don't quite understand when all we did was go reach for, say, a piece of fruit, right? And mm-hmm. and that was the uh, the signal for the enemy to launch their ambush, mm-hmm. utilizing people and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. But we must understand and recognize what the situation actually is and who the enemy actually is. There should not be, um, a military term was called collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Right, the whole point is to even in the military when they're fighting, you know, against and I mean actively fighting, mm-hmm. dropping bombs, whatever the case is, is to minimize. But they tend to attempt to eliminate collateral damage, civilians from being even injured. Don't even want them. Never to be mind hurt. destroyed. 
That's right. That's right. So let me read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26 to you. It says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, and humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So, Because the word of God tells us to love our neighbor, right? The two commandments are Uh love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if it's a living, breathing human, they are your neighbor. And we are never released from that obligation to love the God kind of love, not niceties and pleasantries or what seems like love to a natural mind. We're never relieved of fulfilling our obligation to the Lord just because someone else is doing something. But Christ had a way of separating people separating his dealing with people and treatment of people from what was going on with the adversary. And as we are skillful and godly warriors for God and in the things of God, we have to be able to readily identify the differences between them. And, you know, the reference that you made, like my love to someone just taking a piece of fruit, which is an innocent action on the, the surface. There are times that people are more, aware that the adversary may be trying to use them. And there are some people who are totally oblivious Uh and that the awareness that any individual has that they are being used by the adversary is accountable by God, not accountable to us. So we have to keep our eyes, our ears and our focus on the Lord and doing things the way that he wants to. Um, And and yes, in that, in that example of the, the fruit is a indirect reference to, woman and Adam in the garden. Mm-hmm. Woman was being used. By the adversary by to the launch adversary. a ploy, to launch a, an ambush against all of us, all of creation all for, coming through her. For our, the entire duration of time on earth. Mm-hmm. He was trying to steal eternity from every every person, every human that would come through the earth. She didn't realize that she was being used in that way. She just thought she's getting a piece mm-hmm. of fruit and maybe getting some wisdom on the side and it was going to just stop at that, but nope, it was much farther reaching. And Adam didn't know he was giving away all authority um, that had been vested in him by partaking of that fruit also. However, um, their obligation is to the Lord. We may not Absolutely. like what they did, but his honor and his obligation was to honor the things of God. And that was between him and him and God. All right. But also forgiving woman, right? Instead of blaming her. Because that that ends up happening sometimes as well. So, understanding our, our role, even when in and our position, mm-hmm. and what's required of us. Absolutely. So let's get into our springboard scripture, First Corinthians, chapter six, verses nine through ten. We left off with that in the previous episode. All right. It says, "Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived." Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. All right. Thank you. So we were talking about when we traditionally read this scripture, it's easy to go, the people are bad because they're doing bad things and to want to get rid of them or to reject them or or get away from them. But 
we were all in this place. We all fell into these categories at some point, but it was Christ's grace and mercy that redeemed us. So now this is not a message about salvation per se, but it is about our patience with the people and our compassion towards them, our willingness to separate them from what the adversary is doing through them. Because we just read in second Timothy that, that they have been taken captive by the devil to do the will of the devil. And we all ourselves were in that place before, because when we are outside of Christ, we are in fact in darkness and capable of any of these things and probably more so than what somebody else might be doing because we are separated from God. So now that we are set, we are connected to him, we are reconciled to him. We should continue with the awareness and the, the astute observation, the understanding and the skillfulness that determines okay, you're no different than I was. Right. So not, just because you're doing things that look like the devil doesn't mean I have to now get rid of you. I need to deal with the adversary behind it. And and, and there's the, the potential possibility for a hostage rescue. And, and we should in see the process, exactly like that. If the, the, the hostage is willing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So our position, again, is to be aligned with the Lord, and he will make a determination of how he feels about that person. And it's not our job to condemn anyone to hell because hell does not belong to us. It's not our job to commend or to keep people out of heaven because that's not our position. And it's not usually that we're trying to allow people go freely to heaven. It's usually that we're going, you're going to hell. Um, and we want to keep them out of it as though it's our personal sanctuary that we <laughs> govern and control. We are, we belong there. It's our home, but that is still God's to command. So that being said, let's look at some examples of how the Lord was able to separate the people from the adversary. And when I say that, I mean, in how he responded, how he dealt with it and the things like his perspective on the people. Let's look at Mark chapter five, verses one through 20. All right. It says, they came to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him and he had his dwelling among the tombs and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby in the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind. 
the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him, and he did not let him. But he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Amen. Amen. So in this particular account, um, well, there's a reference to it in Matthew chapter 8. It's a, a much more brief reference, but it says that while the, the, the man was demon-possessed and he was in this cave area that no one could pass by mm-hmm. because he was there. And you see in verse 19 of, um, and I'm sorry, that was Matthew chapter 8 if I didn't say that before. But in Mark chapter 5, in verse 19, you see that the Lord Jesus tells him that God had compassion on him. Amen. The, the people wanted to bind him and just tie him up in chains and do away with him and get him out of the way so they didn't have to be bothered with him or focus on it. But Jesus came and set him free because of the compassion that God had. So we were talking about how easy it is for humans, for us as people, but also as God's people, when somebody is offensive to us, when someone rubs us wrong, when someone's being used by the adversary to want to get away from that person and to get rid of it. So we don't have to be bothered, but that's and by not how... It, you mean the person. Yeah, the situation, the person, right. and, and mostly focusing on the person. Just get rid of them, and then we don't have to be bothered with this anymore. But Christ has a different perspective. He had compassion on the man and released him. And again, we know that Christ didn't do anything unless the Father sent him, and he didn't say anything unless mm-hmm. the Father told him to do it. And that, of course, that communication is through the Holy Spirit. So he was there because God sent him, because Father had compassion on him. And likewise, Jesus had the same sentiment to have compassion on the man as well, whereas the people, just the regular-minded people, wanted to get rid of the the guy and just bind him, chain him, right, so that they could go freely about their daily life. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't like this, when something wrong is happening. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's a matter of what you do to resolve the situation that has all the the differences to the Lord. Because Jesus didn't want the man crying out in the and tortured in the caves even more, but they had two different motivations. Well, well, nor did he want to be, if you will, bothered. Because it says how as soon as Jesus arrived, the man came up charged at him, essentially. Mm-hmm. But it says, again, what you were saying, how we, how we handle it matters. And our Jesus, thoughts on it determine yes. how we handle it. Amen. Uh, our heart... Mm-hmm. And our heart before the Lord. And right. I say that because as the man charged him, it just says how Jesus kept saying, not to the man, he kept rebuking the unclean spirits. Is it say, in your translation, it says he kept doing it or he did it once? Um, let me find that verse. Uh, it said in verse eight, it says, for he had been saying to him, Oh, he was in the midst of speaking, so he wasn't repeating himself. That's a clear note. He wasn't repeating himself as though he were fighting the devil off, but he was already in the midst of speaking, and the devil was trying to interrupt him, and he kept going. Uh Notice he addressed, not the man, the spirits that were, you know, had possessed the man, but Mm -hmm. were essentially controlling him. Amen. And his actions, his thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. They were being addressed, or Jesus was addressing them. 
And then after he was your, they were cast out. Mm-hmm. Then, if you will, he also simultaneously dealt with the man because that was the issue. And then he was clothed. So the Lord took care of everything there, but notice the difference. Amen. And a lot of times when something is happening that we don't like, it's fear that causes us to respond in an ungodly way. And it's a lack of understanding about the situation. And it's our heart condition towards the Lord. So we have nothing to be afraid of. And we need to love God and understand that he's asked us to fulfill the commandment of love and that nothing um, she'll hurt us. Nothing shall by any means hurt us. So we don't have to be afraid if somebody's doing something wrong that now we have to destroy that person because they're being used by the adversary. And we don't have to try to achieve peace in our own life that way. We can achieve it and govern things the way that the Father wants by taking the pathway that he set before us and having the right heart, attitude, and mind about it. So, and that comes from learning. Learning and understanding and giving um, ourselves an opportunity to mature before God, willing to putting to practice and action what he's saying and partake of and fellowship with him in the way that he handles things. Um, Let's go to Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 19. Okay. It says, It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl, having the spirit of divination, met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed, and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. Amen. Amen. So we see, just to start right here, we'll kind of bridge what we were talking about just a moment ago. Verse 18 said, Paul was greatly annoyed. He didn't Mm. want to hear it anymore. Right? Absolutely. (laughs) But did he turn around and beat the girl? Did he shake her? Did he pull her hair? Did he... Did he bite her? Did he, you know, did he start slandering her name? He addressed the spirit that was operating in and through her. Exactly. So Holy Spirit identified that this was a demonic mouth speaking and gave him instruction on how to deal with it. Now, on the surface, it sounded like she was telling the truth, but it was a twisting. It was a lie. She was attempting the adversary, actually, that the devil through her was trying to go, I'm just like them was trying to deceive the people around Mm -hmm. that were listening to think that one is the same as the other. They're, they're talking about um, like the, the prophetic voice and a fortune teller are the same. No, they're not. They are not. And the almighty name of Jesus are absolutely nothing alike. But if you look at it with natural eyes, you'll say they're both talking about future things, things that nobody knows, but how they're arriving at it is totally different. And one is accurate in truth and the other is a lie and deception. And then there's the follow-on or the, the more long-term, long-view perspective of this. They were on a missionary trip at the time, mm-hmm. which means they were not remaining there. They were going to be on their way to wherever the Lord was sending them next. But yet that little girl who was being used of the enemy mm-hmm. was going to remain. Mm-hmm. So The now, adversary was trying to set up for himself. A long-term 
uh, operation, scheme, if you will. A scam. Exactly. <laughs> so, so a stumbling block for mm-hmm. other people to lead them into bondage. And lead them astray. Absolutely. So um, we need to make sure that we have God's heart on this. So first of all, we talked about, you may not be able to look on the surface and see what's behind it because there were many times that I read this scripture and I even read the, the one we talked about, the demoniac and said, well, what's the, they're telling the truth, it sounds like, but God dealt with it in a way that says, no, it's not the same. It's different. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit and we need to be aware of the schemes of the devil. We need to be aware who our adversary is and listen to Holy Spirit to distinguish to us what's actually happening. It's a work of the devil and the work of the devil needs to be destroyed. The people, however, need to be set free. Amen. Amen. So um, just because... But again, also, also, let me say this, because you see at the end how if you wonder what spirit you're, you're operating from, whether it's mm-hmm. Holy Spirit or if it's of the flesh, mm-hmm. how did the people... These masters of this little girl, what did what was their response? Oh, they wanted them beaten. And, they put hands and on and, mm-hmm. and tried to handle, if you will, Paul and Silas. Well, now they retaliated That's against God, right? Right, by attacking his, his people. Right. So they were clearly operating by the adversary there. So now, like, if we look at this situation, but, but what what I'm getting at is they were upset with the the people. That they Her, assessed the, incorrectly the assessed they, the slaves owners. Yes, the slaves mm-hmm. owners were upset with Paul and Silas and went after Paul and Silas. We should not be upset with the people. We should love the people, and give them grace and mercy, just like our Lord and Savior did with us. Understand the enemy is the adversary operating in and through them. Exactly, and in in this section of Acts chapter sixteen, the the adversary had two, a two-pronged approach. Uh-huh. One was the girl that was agitating them, and the other was the owners of the girl that were putting them in prison. So understanding that as well, neither one of these cases should Paul and Silas have gotten into their flesh to Amen. go, well, I'm going to meet your fire with my fire, as in their fists, which is how people um, with... The adversary wants his warriors to fall into this by continually pressuring them so that they let go of the focus and the clarity that is provided by the things of God. And then they start to partake in flesh to flesh interactions, because if we do that, then we are rendered um, inoperable and we're rendered ineffective in the things of God. Uh So for this, this circumstance or any like it, because they were both equally the fortune teller, and the masters were equally being used by the adversary. But what is the, the way that the Lord tells us to deal with it? So in one case, we saw the Lord, Holy Spirit, tell Paul, cast the devil out. The second, it was asking or waiting for deliverance to come a different way. Absolutely. Right? So that's the importance of being able to separate um, people from the adversary and how we deal with them, but also understanding our reliance and dependence on the guidance by the Holy Spirit to know what we're looking at, to know what we're coming up against, and to deal with it effectively. Now, we are able, changing gears just a little bit, we are able to rule over the atmosphere around us. We are not subject to it. So as we look at the Apostle Paul's life, there was a, an instance or there was a case that he was growing up in spiritual things 
as he was going. He was learning as he was going. So there were times that he may not have thought about certain components or aspects of his warfare arsenal that were available to him that he could have used in a particular situation. But at the moment in time, especially if you're not aware, people perish for a lack of knowledge. Remember we talked about God can use our knowledge and our understanding to be able to give us information. So, and to speak to us more articulately than just saying yes or no. Um, so we have the opportunity to have a, an aerial view of Paul's life. And so and we're learning about the weapons of our warfare. We're learning about distinguishing and the difference and the nuances or specifics of warfare that are detailed so that we can be more effective. So for us, we have the right and the ability to rule over the atmosphere around us, the spiritual atmosphere. We don't have to wait for the devil to spring an attack. There is an offensive that we can engage in an offensive ruling over the adversary that, and by men, I mean like versus offense versus defense. Defense means you're defending yourself. You're protecting yourself against an attack. Offensive means you're doing the attacking. <laughs> you're doing the initial outside of it. And again, we're attacking the adversary, not our neighbors. We're not t- attacking the people on the earth. We're attacking the adversary who may be looking to steal, kill, and destroy, in which he know he's always, he always is. And, and usually whether you're on offense or defensive, uh, or on the defense depends on if you are active or reactive. Exactly. Reactive is always a bad place to be. Exactly. And it makes for um, a delayed response. So we know that the adversary is always looking for an opportunity to devour. And it's our job not to give it to him. So um, what does that mean to us? What does that mean for us? That means, for example, if you know that you're going somewhere, you rule over the atmosphere before you get there. You release the word, you send the Holy Spirit and the ministering spirits to go do their work before you step on the scene. Um, Just a real brief example of that. Um, I work in healthcare and I work in all elements of critical care. So that means that sometimes there are emergencies that happen in different places and it affects my hospital that I'm working in because they're going to come to that hospital to get aid. Well, I like to work in peace. I, I would rather not spend my day resuscitating someone if mm-hmm. I can avoid it because it's not just about me. That means that their life is preserved. Absolutely. Right. I would rather there not be um, an active shooter on the premises. I would rather that there not be five accidents on the highway that come that are now in need of coming to my hospital. And because of that, the Lord showed me this, um, one day regarding the hospital, because if you, if you work in healthcare, you, you know what it's like in the hospital, the emergency room could be full of people. And there's a nurse, uh, you know, a trauma on the way. That means someone who's in very bad condition from something and they're need, they're in need of life-saving care. There could be something happening in the neonatal intensive care unit. There are triplets who are 25 weeks along getting ready to be born. There are, um, some, there's something happening in the pediatric ward and all of these things or the pediatric ICU and there's ventilators and all this emergency activity happening. But then there's a time when the hospital is in it's quieter. It's peaceful. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of activity going on. I've, I've been in healthcare for a long time and I would see those days and I would go home and go, what is happening? It felt like everything just went crazy. And the Holy Spirit began to deal with me and, um, minister to me about, well, you don't have to be subject to that. You can do something about this. 
And I thought, well, I sure would like to go to work and there be peace on my shifts and all would be well. So then the Lord taught me before you go to work or you know that what your schedule is, plead the blood of Jesus over that hospital in the almighty name of Jesus, uh, plead, um, bind the adversaries attacks, bind the strife. I mean, the fighting amongst coworkers, you name it. He told me to take authority over it in his name and bind it, cast it out, release the Holy spirit into the situation, um, to, to release peace or shalom in the area. And so when I would go to work, people would, before the shift that was leaving that I was, before I got there, they were going, the hospital was so crazy today. And all these things were happening. All this chaos was going around. But when I came, there was peace. There was peace in the my, my assignment, there was peace in the, anything that was going to be affecting me. There was peace among my coworkers. There was peace on the highways if needed be so that I could have peace in my job. And that actually gave God an opportunity to rescue, to save and deliver other people's lives because I was exercising my dominion and my faith and my authority in the name of Jesus Christ so that I wouldn't have to suffer. And, but it gave other people an opportunity to get the benefit of that faith, right? Jesus was here on the earth and he had all the power of God necessary for his life. (laughs) He had a great life, but because he was walking with the Lord and allowing God to use him in the way that he wanted to, he was also the way the father God wanted to use the Lord and savior. The father was also able to bless other people. Other people were able to partake of that, um, atmosphere control that (laughs) that the Messiah used, right? That he walked in, that he, um, allowed to move through him and they reaped the benefits of it. So if you are going somewhere, and this is just one case that you can use as you can do this in your household, you can do this on your work, you can do this on the roads. If you're driving down Everywhere a highway. Everywhere the sole of your foot treads. There you have it. Glory to God. Or you are sent, whichever way Amen. you want to phrase it. Amen. Put the name of Jesus and the word of God to work. Don't be subject to the devil. Make the devil subject to you. In the almighty name of Jesus. And that's what it says. The Amen. devils were subject to him, right? Amen. The wind was subject to him. The devils were subject to us in our in your name, Jesus. That's what the disciples said when they came back. So think about that. Meditate on it. Use it. You don't have to wait for the adversary to try to bring sickness into your life. Plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over yourself now and release supernatural and divine health. You don't have to wait till your bank account is empty to try to believe God for more. Plead the blood of Jesus over it now. Don't wait for the adversary to steal from you. Get active and on task now and let God be there on your behalf. So I just want to close out with that today. And I hope you are blessed by the word of God. Please take an opportunity to go back and listen to this. Make sure you're taking notes and that you're studying the word of God and letting Holy Spirit minister to you. It's one thing for me to know this information, uh, but it's another thing for you to have it written on the tablet of your heart. This is a part of me. So make it a part of you as the Holy Spirit gives you insight and instruction and conveys it to you so that you are a full master of the things of God because it's available to you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you and he's working in you and he wants you to operate just like your Lord and Savior did. So we love you. God bless you. And remember to live your life in the Messiah's love. Want to know more about a day of prayer? Sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest updates on the ministry, inspiring messages, and coupon codes for the merch shop. Visit our website, adayofprayer.org. Click on connect in the menu bar and complete the form. Be sure to check the box that says subscribe.